Hi, this is Dion Bake from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 116. If you're looking for the skills and tools to succeed in real estate investing, you've come to the right place. This show is about breaking through barriers, breaking through limiting beliefs, and breaking through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. It's nice to have you back again. Uh, Sandy, how are you? Fantastic. Yourself? Pretty good. Yeah, we're doing good here. Um, coming out on the other side of this thing, we're going to talk about a little bit about uh, the impact of this COVID-19 on um, commercial space, which is something new for us today. We don't really talk too much about commercial space, so this is going to be exciting. But uh, first, we'd like to have everybody go over and check out our website, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. There you can download all of our episodes that we've done in the past and listen to those and uh, also download our free gift, right? Absolutely. The free gift, the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate. And when you do that as well, you not only will you get that, but you also get up to date with everything we got going on and in our world, every show that comes out, all the live events or property street tours, uh, all sorts of stuff from Rob and I both. And so definitely encourage you to go over and do that. And, you know, a reminder, Rob, we got to remind people to jump online and watch us because we are live recording this episode and uh, and we have been for a little while now. So if you want to watch this live and not wait for it to come out every week, every week, we can jump on over to our Facebook page, Breakthrough Real Estate Investing and check us out there you can also engage with us throughout the show ask questions comments etc as we go with us and our guests so really strongly encourage you that if you've been listening to us for a long time and you want to see some of us or you're sitting at home and stuck at home through what we're going on right now then you can actually go watch us and uh, jump into the action here on facebook yeah i like it because we've got an engagement now with people right if they want to ask questions to the guests they can do that in real time and uh and like sandy said we are on every week and it's going to be every week at 10 30 uh wednesdays at 10 30. so got it. Yep. yep so absolutely catch up with us there and uh please go over to itunes and rate and review the show there help us get um reach more of an audience um we haven't gotten a review in a while so this is a call to action guys please go over there and give us a review whether it's good or bad, we don't care. We just need some feedback so we can learn how to improve and on what we're doing. Absolutely. And we used to, I mean, crap, we just got, we, we had, we have so many um, reviews and everything already. And we've done a great job. I think we've done a good job in bringing the content that people have wanted to hear. So let us know what you want to hear. We're, uh, we're coast to coast here across Canada. We've got people, you know, we did an Edmonton show last time. We got Montreal on today. Um, we're hitting a, a few different areas and bringing some, some new content that we haven't talked about before. So it's been uh, exciting in that regard. And uh, we'd love to hear more feedback around that. So reach out to us, give us your comments or uh, questions. 
I want to check on one thing before we keep going, Sandy. I know it's it shows that we're live here, but I want to make sure that we're recording for the uh, audio podcast. We are recording. Yes. Let me let me make sure of that, actually, because we are doing a new uh, we are running a new uh, version here right now. And let me double check. Great question, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I know we, we have gotten uh, we have, you know, ran into that problem in the past where we've done a whole interview and then went back and looked at the tape and uh oh, we weren't recording. We're good. We're good. Don't worry about it. We can okay. keep rolling. <clears throat> right on. OK, so uh, let's get into our interview. I'm excited about this one. Awesome. Yeah, me as well. Me as well. Um, we've got Luciano Delorio on uh, on screen here joining us from beautiful Montreal. And Luciano is Managing Director at Cushman & Wakefield, Quebec. Cushman & Wakefield is a leading global real estate services firm that delivers exceptional value by putting ideas into action for real estate occupiers and owners. Cushman Wakefield is among the largest real estate services firms with 51,000 employees and approximately 400 offices in 70 countries. Uh, more than 20 years of experience, Luciano is a broker by training, has his finger on the pulse of the dynamic commercial real estate invest commercial real estate industry. Uh, he's come to be known as a topical expert and thought leader in his native city of Montreal, where he's been a speaker and panel moderator on numerous occasions in the Montreal Real Estate Forum and the Montreal Real Estate Strategy and Leasing Conference. And he is a regular contributor to local media, radio shows, and podcasts. And he's here with us today to discuss, as mentioned, among other things, the overall impact of COVID-19 on commercial, corporate, and industrial real estates. So we're really happy to have you with us here today. Luciano, welcome to the show. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, pleasure uh, being on. And uh, bonjour from lovely Montreal. Yeah, thanks again. Really appreciate you taking the time to come out and answer these questions that we have for you. The uh, commercial space is something that we really haven't covered too much of, and uh, it's good. It's good to have like a top expert like you to answer our questions. So yeah, welcome. Sure, my pleasure. My pleasure. And uh, just want to remind everybody that this week would have been Grand Prix week uh, in Montreal. So those of you who follow Formula One, this is a very big week. Uh, this would have been a very big week in Montreal. So definitely. Um, we're, uh, certainly, uh, sad by the fact that, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is not happening this year, just as a, as a side note, but. Well, I guess aside from the commercial space, because obviously we're going to get into that. What's the overall state of, uh, of things where you are in Montreal? So, uh, from a, um, from a pandemic perspective or from a virus perspective, uh, every day our premier has been briefing us as to the number of deaths and um, hospitalizations that have been uh, that have been going on. We've seen um, a change in uh, in the curve. We've seen some flattening of the curve, um, and also uh, what's been happening is that the premier has basically allowed um, businesses that are non-essential to start opening up again. So we've we've had different waves and different phases. Um, the latest ones being uh, uh, hair salons and barbershops. I think those will be opening up next week. So there's uh, there's some sense of uh, coming back to some some normal. Uh, on the office side, what's happening is that um, most employers are saying, you know, maybe we'll come back in September or we'll come back in uh, some I've heard as late as December. And not so much because the government is not allowing them to come back or or hasn't allowed them to go back. It's because uh, there are children. You know, a lot of people have children that are not in school, and the schools are not open till next September. So 
uh, you know, just trying to figure all that out um, is, is, is what's going on right now, uh, certainly on the office side. In my, our own office, actually, we have, uh, we're going to be going back, we're going to be coming back probably towards the end of the month. And we're looking at 25% of our workforce coming back at a maximum, uh, just to make sure that uh, we're not we're doing our part and not you know not spreading the virus and obviously keeping our our employees and our staff uh, uh, safe and healthy. Yeah, I think you guys might be a little ahead of where we are for reopening and whatnot, but uh, there are some areas just a little bit to the north of here which are about the same spot. You know, I think this Friday. Um, some of the markets that I'm in to the northeast of, of Toronto are, are starting to open up with the restaurants and hair salons and that kind of thing, like you said, too. So right. it's nice to see that. It does seem like a proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. So um, looking forward to that. Now, let's before we get into where we what has happened with the pandemic, what was the commercial market like? before any of this happened so in montreal montreal has been on fire uh, we were on fire on the industrial side of the business we were in, we were on fire on the office side um no in montreal we've never really built we've never really built on spec so whenever an office tower you'd see an office tower come up that office tower was coming up because there was a lease in place there was demand for it uh and not only demand, but there had to be like a lease in place before the building came up. So uh, that's what we uh, we typically saw in Montreal on the office side. On the industrial side, the demand was actually um, uh, greater than the supply. A lot of uh, occupiers of space, a lot of tenants were having a hard time finding uh, the space that they needed for their businesses. So they were actually building, they were doing a lot of built-to-suits. And, and so we saw a lot of built-to-suits happening. And so that is that was us going into pandemic. And for us, the pandemic, like the date that I have in my mind is is the date that we that in Quebec we rushed the grocery store to get toilet paper. And that was March, that was March 12th. That was Thursday, March 12th, where people were in the grocery store and rushed uh, the grocery stores because on the 13th then things started to shut down and and our premier said, Le Québec va prendre une pause, we're gonna take a break, is you know, basically what he said in French. So um so we were on fire we were on fire a lot of demand a lot of a lot of interest in, in montreal um we had we were supposed to have a conference a real estate conference in montreal in may uh that was going to attract people from all over the country and it was the first time where i was getting a lot of calls from my colleagues and and confreres across canada looking to coming into montreal for that conference because they wanted to hear what was going on in montreal what's What's the secret sauce? What's what's going on, and and um, how can we be part of it? And then this all hit, like you said, and we're we're more or less talking about like let's get a little bit more specific of what we're exactly talking about here. It's more or less uh, office space is what is what we're gearing towards here, right? Yes, yeah, office space and industrial space, both both were red hot leading up to this. And then once this hit what happened and then once this hit uh people just didn't know what to do right uh, i think a lot of us felt that we were going to go back to work in april uh and then it became late april then it became may and then it became june and so in the meantime uh office 
employers had to figure out how to uh, work, have their uh, employees work from home more long term. Um, so they were, you know, they were experimenting with that. It was a bit, I mean, I call it like the corner, the big, the big experiment that all of us are in. Uh, so that's on the office side, on the industrial side as well. You know, some businesses were just not allowed to operate. So they had, they just basically shut their doors. Um, the way I see it, Rob and Sandy is that the, the thing about a lease is that it's got a, a beginning, a middle and an end. And so if you're at the end of your lease and you're on the street right now looking for space and you're trying to negotiate with your landlords, uh, they're looking at it differently than somebody who's just entered a lease or it's even in the middle of their lease. Um, and that's that goes for that goes for, I mean, all asset classes, but certainly, you know, the office and industrial side. So it'll be interesting to see as we come out of deconfinement and as we come out of this, uh, where where our, where our stats are going to be. Right now, our national stats uh, are up to date for uh, Q1 uh, 2020. And of course, we were still doing very well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what our Q2 stats are going to be, because those are those are going to have a great read on, on on the effect of COVID because and the future and the future uh, quarters are going to have a, a great read on on the effects of COVID. All that said, where do you see it? Where do you see it headed? What's 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 uh, what's your? I mean, Nova's got the crystal ball, but what's your thoughts on the progress of the market and, and whatnot going forward? Yeah, well, so I wish I did have a crystal ball, and I think a lot of us do. But I think what uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of uh, communication and a lot of uh, articles being written about sort of the death of the office, and everyone is going to work from home, and they're all. We're all going to uh, continue to work from home. I, I think that there's going to be some employers that are going to allow their employees to work from home and, and, and put that as part of their, I call it, you know, kind of the ecosystem. Uh, but I think that there's going to be probably a hybrid and, and continue to be a hybrid because prior to the pandemic, there were a lot of uh, companies out there that were offering hoteling for their employees. They were So they were allowing them to work from home. And then when they wanted to come in, they had a uh, they had to reserve a a, a workspace for themselves. Uh, so I think that we're going to see a mix. I think we're going to see a mix. I think we're going to see some some tenants are going to want to take more space, and some tenants are going to want to give up some space on the office side. On the industrial side, and I'll let's speak to specifically like the Canadian landscape, and more specifically of the uh, Montreal landscape is. The market was red hot going into this. We didn't we didn't build on spec. We were building, you know, it was either built to suit or, uh, you know, with our existing inventory. And as we hear of certain sectors wanting to control their inventories and wanting to control their equipment, example, we were at one point running out of masks. We were running out of out of um, PPEs, you know, uh, personal protective uh, protection equipment. Uh, I think that. People that are in that business and people that buy that that, that equipment, more specifically in the healthcare business, they're not going to want the just-in-time equipment coming in from uh, from outside of Canada. They're probably going to want it either stockpile it and store it here and store it in warehouses which they don't have right now, or uh, have it um, have it made locally. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see um, and the effects of of uh, on on industrial real estate. There's some there's some of our clients, of course, that have said, look, you know, I don't know if I want to keep all this inventory uh, necessarily because the business that I'm in, 
we're we're not you know we're not in the we can't afford to keep to keep inventory well that would be a government mandate almost though wouldn't it be uh yes well i mean for sure i mean with hospitals and 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 uh, medical uh and and uh, medical uh clinics and things they need this equipment so maybe the government may step in and say you know you have to stockpile for a certain amount of uh, of gowns you have to have a certain amount of gloves and so on and and masks so um i believe right now that uh, some of these uh, some of these hospitals and healthcare providers don't have this sort of extra space to be storing these things so the 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 way that i look at it though is really the industrial space like when it's time unless you know it's which I'm sure it has sort of devastated the uh, certain businesses. Um, those guys got to come back, right? And they need that space. You can't you can't really necessarily downscale uh, on that side, but I can see the office side downscaling quite a bit. Is that what you expect to see happening? I know you said a hybrid, but like, so someone who's got let's say, you know, floors upon floors of an office building now they might only take one. Or, 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 like, do you see a lot of scaling on the office side? Is that what you're expecting? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. And I'll tell you why I'm not sure. Because I look at human nature and I just look at my own, my myself. And I'll take myself as an example. Um, so we've been at working at home now for about 10 or so weeks. And um, I supervise a team of brokers. And I have a, a staff. And I feel like I've lost connection and that personal connection that you get at the water cooler and the personal connection that you get at the, in the kitchen in terms of um, chatting with our staff and chatting with our, you know, with our brokers. So there's that human connection there that, that we're missing. And I think that's so important. And I think long-term, I think we're going to want to go back to that short-term for sure. Look, short-term, we're going to be closing kitchens. We're going to be closing, uh, you know, water coolers. People are going to have to you know, social distance and do it properly. And so, and especially if you're coming back with your workforce at 25%, that's 75% of the workforce is not going to be in the office space, right? They're not going to be physically in the office space. But I think, I think about, I think about somebody, um, it's interesting because Cushman and Wakefield, we did a survey of, um, of, of occupiers and we did about, you know, it was like 40,000 people surveyed and we, saw that the people having the hardest time working from home have been the millennials and the Generation Z or Generation Z uh, employees because they're the ones that are looking for that connection and, and you know, being connected to a team. And um, so I, I think that long term, I'm not sure we're going to see we're going to see the, a, a big impact on uh, on the uh, on the office space because. I look at how much money companies spend on team building, on building a culture. I, I'm going to say that, you know, building a culture with people at home is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And, and let's think about, um, Rob, let's think about how, what are people saying right now in terms of their favorite restaurants? They're getting food delivered to their homes. So that's great. But for, for some reason, there's still something missing. What's missing is that connection of being in a physical space of being in an ambiance uh, with other people and exchanging with other people. And I think that's what the workplace, I think that's what the physical workplace brings. And um, so that's, that's how I feel. Um, I, I, I may be wrong, but I think that people like the connection. 
No, I would agree with you for sure. But do you think that with a 25% capacity that that is sustainable? Like it's really, if you look at the, just like, especially in a city like Montreal, maybe if you go outside, even to where I am is a little bit easier for that kind of thing to work, this distancing thing to work. But there's certain businesses that just by nature cannot survive in that kind of environment. So, I mean, and, and just to tell somebody that they can open up their restaurant or they can open up their office and they can only have 25% of their force there, sort of just stringing them along almost in my opinion. I don't, I guess what I'm saying is I don't necessarily see this being uh, something that is uh, prolonged. I feel like we're going to be back in action fairly soon. I, well, you know, I hope you're, I hope you're right. And I hope we can do it in a safe way and that people feel safe. I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing here is, is, is staying safe. And so this is why companies are saying we're going to reintegrate at 25%. If that, if that experiment, because it, it, I mean, at the end of the day, it's an experiment. If that experiment goes well and we see that, you know, people are, are following the rules and they're not getting sick, then you go into another phase. And then maybe, maybe the next phase is going to be, you know, bringing back people at 50% and then 75% until you get to 100%, which is is at a, a point in time. We also hear that there may be a second wave of the of the uh, virus. And, you know, the other day we heard that uh, people that are uh, asymptomatic are not necessarily the ones that are spreading the disease, that are not, you know, they're not spreading the virus through the community. So information about this is coming out like, it's almost like a fire. It's like drinking from a fire hose almost for all of us, right? We're trying to figure it out. So as an employer, we're trying to do the best thing is saying, okay, we're going to reopen, but we're going to reopen slowly. And we're going to make sure that nobody gets sick. Everyone is safe. And then from, and follow the guidelines. So a mask. So like, you know, for example, I I'll be wearing a mask to walk into the office. Once I get into my office space, I can remove my mask. In some jurisdictions, actually, they're saying that you have to keep your mask on all day. So it depends where, you know, it depends where you are. I'm not sure um, what it's like for the, you know, in the rest of Canada, but I've heard, I've heard my colleagues in the U.S. say that um, in some jurisdictions, they'll have to wear the mask all day. Mm. And so at that point, then, Rob, people are going to, you know, people are going to make a decision and say, I don't want to wear a mask all day. And I'm not going to, I can't work with a mask all day. So I'm, I, I can work from home and it's fine and it works. Other people are going to say, look, I'm tired of working on the edge of my kitchen table. I live in a 600 square foot apartment. I have a dog. I have, I have noise from the neighbors. I have, you know, all kinds of things happening that is just distracting me from doing my work. So that, that's what I see. So what about office space? Um, and like, uh, do you think it's going to remain a landlord market? So in Montreal, it's been a landlord market. I think that uh, it'll move more towards a, a tenant market, uh, just as people try to figure out what it is their next steps are going to be. Uh, but uh, we're still seeing, again, we're, we're a city that doesn't overbuild. So we don't, we're not building office towers that are vacant. Uh, the office towers that we are building right now are office towers that have a lease in place. Um, so I think that's I think that's what's going to affect um, certainly the central business district. Uh, what we're seeing now in the suburban market is actually it was more of a tenant market than a landlord market in Montreal. Um, and that may change because 
again, based on short-term uh, things that we have to do for COVID, uh, there may be employers that'll say, instead of going to our downtown office, maybe we'll get a satellite office in the suburbs, assuming that the satellite office is going to be an, uh, not an office tower, but a, a two-story or three-story building where you know, the use of an elevator cab is not important. I think that, that that's going to affect that market. But right now in Montreal, the suburban market had been had been very much a tenant a tenant market. So it all depends on on where you are, um, and and in the rest of Canada, I mean, depend again. You know, Calgary certainly is not uh, is is a tenant market. Um, Toronto, Vancouver are hot markets as well. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how that's how that's going to turn. And how is the pandemic actually affecting the space design? So uh, space design leading up to the pandemic was very much open plan, offices on the interior, if there were any closed offices, lots of collaborative space, mm-hmm. lots of, you know, game rooms. I think of uh, some some uh, employers even have uh, uh, foosball tables and slides and things and, and bean bags and stuff. I think some of that stuff short term is going to be affected by the pandemic. Uh, so anyone who is currently in the design phase of their project, I'm sure are, are rethinking how they're going to do, uh, how they're going to build space. Um, will we see a return to the closed office environment that we had back in the, I guess, 80s and, and 90s? Um, I'm not sure. I think that, again, we're going to kind of solve it with different different things, a bit of the hybrid situation, some people working from home. Uh, but the, the hoteling, maybe we'll see less of the hoteling. Um, people, you know, having to use a, a cubicle in in uh, in common with others. Maybe that whole t- maybe what it'll be is the cubicle will be assigned to you um, instead of instead of being you know being uh, one that's used by multiple people. But again, it, it'll depend on on the resources that a company has to have somebody cleaning and and being behind you know being behind those workspaces all the time, and make sure they're clean. So the other type of uh like design changes like um privacy walls that kind of thing that we're seeing in you know banks and whatnot yeah so short term short term we have uh we have a concept called the uh six uh six foot office and uh, basically we base what we're saying there is that in terms of cubicles giving six feet around each cubicle and making sure that you know that the um, that the distance between your uh, your colleague is at least six feet and a, you know a six a six foot radius. So uh, so we'll see some of that. You'll probably see some plexiglass or some uh, partitions where you haven't seen them before because typically the design has been very much benching right now, right? Everybody kind of collaborating and low low um, partitions between cubicles. So we may see we may see a situation where um, you know, we'll see uh, cubicles return to uh, kind of higher, uh, higher walls between people. Uh, the plexiglass. Uh, you'll see also a lot of wayfinders, right? Uh, the circulation in the office. On the short term, uh, one of the things that we're doing right now is uh, putting stickers on uh, the carpet and giving people the flow and the direction of where they should be walking. So not only around the cubicles and around the workstations, but also just how, you know which which way to walk, um, and that'll be an adaption for people. But I think once you once you figure it out, I think you you know it'll it'll be 
it, it'll come second nature for people. But um, but that's certainly on the short term. In the long term, I mean, I think we all hope and we all we all hope that uh, people working in the field are going to find a vaccine or find some sort of a treatment for this virus, and we'll be able to go back to maybe some of the things that we were we were used to and enjoying before. Yeah, I find that um, those arrows on the floor, I don't really pay attention to them until I'm going Same the wrong way. And then I'll notice enough to turn around and head back the way I came. Have you been busted? Have you been busted in a grocery store yet? Uh, uh, not busted, but I'll just I'll just notice myself. And then either if I'm close to the end, I'll sneak out or maybe right. I'll turn around. It's yeah. already get used to it, yeah. And um, I'm, yeah. It might be weird if that sticks around long term, but understandably for the short term, right? It's it's just uh, something we have to do. Yeah. Well, again, sorry, it's just tough for me to. I just think that the whole social distancing thing is really unsustainable. If we're going to get back to any kind of a normal market, um, you know, it just can't exist in a in a city like Montreal. It's it's impossible. I mean, you've got you've got elevators that like you said they take people to their offices and and um i mean there's all kinds of businesses like um like water parks and and theme parks and and whatnot what everything else that i mean even just walking down the street for toronto to reopen you can't walk down the street without you know you can't keep that distance it is technically impossible so at some point this is definitely temporary so at some point we're going to have to open back up and and understand that you know there's things just don't work if we can't get back to normal. Yeah, well, I think too the uh, the fact that the authorities have come back and now said that uh, we should be wearing masks. I think that if we are crossing each other's path and you know and we're both wearing a mask, I think there's some sense of of limiting you know limiting that. Um, I think the fact that we're more conscious of it. I mean, we're, we're going to try our best to not put ourselves into situations. I think people are being uh, more hygienic, uh, you know, using washrooms and, uh, and trying to avoid touching surfaces. I mean, one of the things we talk about in terms of our preparation for coming back is trying to avoid touching surfaces and trying to avoid touching door handles and things. So what does that mean? Are we going to like rip off all the door handles off of all of our doors? No, but we're going to try as much as possible to, if that door can remain open, we'll keep it open. If we can't, then we'll put a bottle, uh, you know, a, a canister of wipes on the side and, and so that people can use and, and make sure that it's disinfected. Um, I mean, I think of, uh, I think of so many things, of course, in our daily life that, uh, you know, for sure, some of these things cannot be avoided, but, um, I think it'll make room for, it's interesting, I was speaking to some of the major landlords in, in the city here and, you know, some of the major investors in uh, in office towers, and they were saying that they see it as a, uh, a moment for AI to get involved and step up to the plate. As an example, think of when you take an elevator, uh, You're if you're going to your office, you're always going to that same floor every day. Well, if, you're, if your elevator bank can read uh, your card that's in your pocket, so not even having to take it out, and it knows that Rob goes up to the 10th floor and that's his floor, like the elevator cab will come and pick you up and bring you to the 10th floor. It won't bring you to any other floor. And there's, so there's a security thing involved, which is, which is, there's a benefit there. And of course, you're not touching any buttons. 
So I think that there's going to be room for uh, more automation and, and AI, uh, you know, doors that open automatically and, and also the way we design. And we were talking about design before. Uh, also the way we design things, kind of try to eliminate the touch surfaces. But uh, again, uh, hopefully, like I'm, I'm, I'm an optimistic person. We're in real estate. So when you're in real estate, you're going to be optimistic. And I'm optimistic that I think we have enough brain power around the world and, uh, and certainly in Canada to come up with some sort of a treatment, come up with some sort of, uh, of, of uh, you know, maybe vaccine will be certainly uh, too early. Um, I think people are saying, you know, at least a year, at least a year out, of course, it's got to be tested. But I think that, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that as a, as a society, we can find a, a solution to this. Yeah, those innovations are really interesting to see how that might play out in the AI technology. Obviously, a lot of the world's transitioning to different forms of AI. That'll be pretty cool um, to see how that plays out in office space for sure. Yeah, and, and AI, sorry, I just wanted to add because I think it's important is that AI is a big deal in Montreal and a lot of space and a lot of office space has been occupied by uh, by companies that are in the in the artificial intelligence field, and so very much working with the universities here. Ah, that's cool. Yeah. And so, what about industrial space? How's that gonna? How's that looking right now? We touched on it, but is there a bunch of different changes happening in that world too, in in Montreal specifically, or anywhere else that you're aware of? Yeah. So in Montreal specifically, I mean, vacancy rate was below ten percent. We're hovering at around five uh, percent. Uh, I remember when I started in my uh, career. Uh, space, industrial space was trading at about $5 a square foot net. Uh, and that was like 20 years ago. And for the longest time, whenever uh, you would be looking for industrial space, you'd almost could close your eyes and not even speak to any landlord and just put $5 a square foot as the price in a market survey. And you knew you were right because that, that price did not change at all. Now we're looking at rates depending on the quality of the building, depending on the clear height, because clear height is very important, especially in distribution companies. Uh, you're looking at about, um, you know, 750 to 950 a square foot, even $10 a square foot net. So that's before expenses and, you know, operating expenses and taxes. So rental rates are going up. They were going up really across, uh, across the markets, but uh, certainly in Montreal, it's been going up. What's been the challenge in Montreal has been the supply. And supply of uh, buildings that had the uh, you know the cubic the cubic footage or the or the clear height to stack and to properly uh, stack um, uh, inventory. Um, and in Montreal is a port city, um, and uh, we are connected uh, to major arteries uh, that and major markets. Uh, we're 45 minutes from the U.S. border, from the New York you know the New York border. Uh, and we're six. We're a six-hour uh, drive from New York City, so Montreal is well positioned to be, uh, you know, continue to have strong industrial, uh, be a strong industrial market. Um, it's just a matter of building that product that allows for, you know, proper distribution. And what about the rest of the country? The rest of the country is also doing well. Uh, the rest of the country. Uh, I'm looking here at. Uh, at our numbers, I mean, the momentum in terms of rental rate, uh, Toronto uh, went up uh, 18%, uh, and Montreal at 14%. So that's the difference in um, in what they were in what rental rates from year over year. So um, it's I think again, industrials also 
you know what's going to help industrial is if we think about what has happened during this pandemic and also just leading up to it in, in the retail world and the retail world is kind of shifting and and people are um, going to online and e-commerce a lot more and and a lot of um, our retailers are are moving to that platform or certainly a mix of the platform of, of brick uh, brick and mortar and and um, and e-commerce so to, to fuel your e-commerce business you you have to have industrial space um, and I find it interesting because when we all uh, were stuck at home and trying to get toilet paper and and, and uh, other supplies we were ordering online and I don't know I don't know your experience, but our experience in our home, uh, I think at one point we ordered uh, from one of the grocery stores and the wait was nine days. And I couldn't figure out why in 2020 uh, that we were waiting nine days. And of course, somebody will answer me. Yeah, well, I mean, because we were all ordering and we were all. So the system obviously couldn't take it. Um, but I think in the future, I think the system will be able to take it. And, and let's let's. Let's forget about the fact that they just ran out of supplies um, because, you know, of course, the supplies, when you speak to manufacturers of toilet paper, of meat products, of, you know, uh, meat processors, they just were having a hard time supplying supplying these stores. Um, but, I, I, you know, I think that uh, companies or, you know, retailers are going to look more towards having a, a proper distribution channels uh, and proper warehousing that can fill in orders. I was noticing the other day in the grocery store, uh, someone filling out an order. It looked like she was filling out the order, I guess, on behalf of an, e an online customer. So she was actually literally walking around the store with a scanner and taking items off the shelf as if she was shopping for herself, but putting them in baskets and then sending them out. I can't imagine how long that takes as a process, but I can't imagine how sustainable that is long term because you're basically, you know, picking from a from a, a store as opposed to like, you know, setting it up maybe in a warehouse. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how, the, how that's going to affect the industrial the industrial space, both uh, you know both in Montreal and of course across Canada. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and and I guess with the demand going up is a direct correlation almost with this because now. Um, there's a lot more people ordering online. I think that that's a trend that's going to continue regardless. Um, you know, we're seeing stores, more and more stores shutting their doors, unfortunately. So yeah, that industrial space I think is going to boom. Yeah. And you know, but I, I again, and I'm sorry, I, I, I know, like I said, we don't have the crystal ball, right? But mm -hmm. I look at yesterday, I passed by uh, the Ikea, the Ikea store store and not not to you know not to name names but i mean ikea has been opening across across the world slowly uh there was a line i thought i literally i thought there was a rock concert there or something because <laughs> the lineup outside the store waiting to get in was i've never seen something like that in my life now is that uh is that going to be short term that's pent up demand i'm not like is it going to be obviously you know long term i don't think we're going to have those lines but I think that there's some retailers that, for whatever reason, um, we're going to want to continue shopping there, and we're going to need the brick and mortar to help us shop there. Uh, people want to touch and feel and see. Uh, I saw lines outside of um, electronics stores. I saw lines outside of office supply stores. Uh, again, these are all 
businesses that were delivering online. Uh, yet there were lines, there were lines out there. So is it because they're not delivering on time? And you know, if you if you said, look, I, I need I need my computer now, I can't wait nine days or I can't wait three weeks for it. Uh, I get that. Uh, but I think there's also a combination of people just want to um, touch and feel what they're buying, um, see what else is out there, be able to compare quickly um, and, and see what it looks like. So so some retailers are going to certainly are going to uh, continue to survive and certain, certain retailers are going to have a harder time. I think the, the apparel business, um, which is an important business in Montreal, I think that one is uh, it was hurting prior to the pandemic. And it's hurting now because none of us are going out. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah. when was the last time you had to wear a nice pair of shoes and a, a suit? I, I don't even go on podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're getting used to not having to do that now for a, a good chunk of time, right? So even if they were, now they're finding ways around it, and maybe that's going to stick. There's no parties. I mean, you know, you think of spring. Uh, you know. Uh, weddings and and so on, like different different parties uh, out there. Like there's so so certainly the apparel business is, uh, has has taken a hit um, on that, and uh, and and so we'll see we'll see how it goes. Loungewear has most likely picked up a little bit. <laughs> hoodies, hoodies. <laughs> uh, Luciano, what do you say about if someone was like investing in real estate then, and they're looking at a commercial versus residential world, or they're de- debating around getting involved in the commercial space in in any way? Is that still a viable like investment option? Is there much more to be concerned about as a as a, just a pure investment standpoint? So I, I think I think uh, I'll go back to my uh, grade seven geography teacher. Uh, who said to me, uh, location, location, location. I think that's still true. Uh, it's certainly very true in uh, in real estate and, and very true in, in any city that we apply that to. I think so location is important. I think if when we're looking at an, a, a real estate play and looking at an investment on the real estate side, I think a mixed a portfolio is, is healthy. Uh, a lot of what we were seeing in terms of building in Montreal has been mixed use. So You'd have, let's say, uh, a couple of floors or, or one floor of retail on the ground floor, followed by some residential, and or, or sorry, followed by office, and then followed by residential on the higher on the higher end of the tower. And that that model has helped um, get, get a lot of projects off the ground in Montreal. And I think I think that's here to stay as a model. Um, Short term, certainly, there's going to be the you know the social distancing and all of those the different things that we need to do to keep ourselves safe. But but long term, I think those are those are the plays. And and of course, being connected to public transit, which goes to my point about location, uh, connected to public transit and connected to a workforce. Uh, the millennials, the Gen Zs that we were all trying to attract in our in our workplaces uh, prior to the pandemic, uh, those people are still out there, and those are the people that are going to have to replace. Our, our current workforce. And uh, those are people that typically live in urban centers, typically want to live, work, and play in the same environment. So any of your your listeners, anybody who is looking at at acquiring real estate, I would I would seriously look at, you know, kind of number one, location. Number two, look at, you know, public, the access to public transit uh, in the long term. And uh, looking at it uh, from a mixed-use perspective, yeah. Well, I think that it's just been—it's just been uh, a lot of the projects that we see. And I don't know if it was a, a government, uh, you know, a sort of a municipal government um, 
zoning uh, situation that caused it or was just a lot of office towers couldn't go up if they didn't have that mix. Uh, sometimes it was a zoning thing, but a lot of times it was just you didn't necessarily have the demand on the office side and you didn't have enough demand on the residential side. So you kind of like put the two demands together and, and, and put up a tower. Um, we saw a lot of that uh, in the uh, neighborhood of the Bell Center, uh, where the Habs play. I, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't do a Canadian podcast without mentioning the Habs. I, I apologize. <laughs> but you know, being in that neighborhood, like people want to live, work, and play in that neighborhood. Somebody raising a family, I would say, a little bit more challenging in those neighborhoods. But um, now we touched on this a little bit. Your company has developed the uh, Safe Six Return to the Workplace program. Did you want to just tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So uh, as we were starting to come out of deconfinement in some of the markets across the Americas and around the world, uh, we have the privilege of being in, uh, in Asia and in Europe. And so we started to see how we were coming back to work in those, uh, in those regions. So we developed this uh, this safe six, and basically what we're saying is there are six steps to prepare for the return. Number one is prepare the building. So if you're a tenant and you're um, you're, you're renting from a, a landlord, then work with the landlord and see what their protocols are for a safe return. What is their protocol for elevator lobbies? What is their protocol for common areas? What is their protocol for cleaning services, uh, HVAC inspections? All of that stuff that needs to make, you know, that we need to know that we're safe and that our employees are safe just getting to the door of our office door. So that's number one. Number two is preparing the workforce. Uh, our employees um, and, uh, in, you know, and staff have been told we have almost weekly meetings where we talk about sort of what are our protocols and what we need to do to get everyone back. You can imagine that I have some broke, some of my um, some of my staff that wanting to return today, um, but that's just not feasible because we need to make sure that everything is in place for them to be coming in. So the communication that exists with that, and you know, developing a proper plan for people to come back to work. The third thing is the controlling access and making sure that um, you know when who is coming in and out of the premises. Uh, asking, uh, you know, perhaps asking employees to self-check their temperature. Uh, I know some um, landlords in Asia and in Europe are have thermometers and, and uh, scanners at the um, and in the elevator lobbies to determine, you know, temperature and take temperature reads. Um, so, you know, all you know, all of that stuff. So, the uh, wipes and the sanitizers and the uh, plexiglass at reception. So all of that stuff, you know, certainly needs to be needs to be looked at as uh, as we prepare to go back to the workforce um, workplace. Number four would be the social distancing plan. So uh, you know, drawing either with uh, tape or with carpet, uh, giving yourself a distance between cubicles, giving yourself a, a, a space between uh, you know the work uh, the workstations. Uh, that's that's important, and of course the decals on the floor and the wayfinders on the floor. Uh, the fifth we talked about, which was the touch points and, you know, trying to eliminate touch surfaces and touch, you know, open doors if you can, uh, close spaces if you can. Uh, you know, if the space is not being used, then 
put a sign up that says that you know nobody's to go there. Remove chairs if you have to, so that people don't sit there and are you know are uh, are enticed to be sitting next to someone. And then the last one is uh, you know just a proper proper communication and establish a two-way communication between employees and um, and uh, you know supervisors and also with uh, with the building. Um, just a, understanding. Uh, and continuing that communication because, again, what we all want to be is safe. We all want to make sure that we can stay safe and keep our ourselves safe, keep keep, keep ourselves safe, keep our clients safe, and we don't want to be propagating the uh, the virus. And where can people go and get some more information on that? There's a there's a website I think for that. Six foot is it sixfootoffice.com is what I'm. Yes. At. Is that right? Yes, exactly. And that'll bring you to our Cushman and Wakefield uh, website. So cushmanandwakefield.com. There are there are tons of information that we've developed uh, together with uh, with our clients uh, and and for our clients of different things that uh, we're seeing either surveys that we've taken in terms of people's experience from a, from a workplace strategy side or just kind of getting prepared for the office space the industrial space the retail space um, so we've got great material out there and I don't know if you have any uh, French uh, listeners but certainly. Uh, if you do have uh, French speakers that would like uh, French-speaking um, material, French material, happy to uh, happy to share that with them. So if they go to the website kushwick.com um, and do a search on my name, you'll be able to find my email address and and reach out to me. Um, if not, it's my name dot my first name dot Diorio without the apostrophe uh, at kushwick.com is my email address. So. Okay, we can put that in the show notes. We'll attach all of your uh, contact info in there if people want to get in touch with you. Um, what What's next for uh, Cushman and Wakefield? What's next is continuing to accompany our clients, both on the investor side and on the occupier side, for a safe return um, and helping them with uh, workplace strategy, helping them uh, with making decisions and dealing with um, – on the leasing side, certainly dealing with their uh, uh, with their current situation, uh, you know. So that's that's certainly what what it's it's on it, what's on our minds right now. Okay, and uh, and once again, I guess is that the best way for people to get in touch with you is is through sixfootoffice.com or is there a better way? Uh, CushmanandWakefield.com as well, uh, and uh, Luciano.Diorio at Cushwake.com, and they can send me an email, and happy to happy to uh, steer them in the right direction. Okay, well, thank you again for being here today. Really appreciate everything that you've shared with us. Um, I know that we went long on this, and now you're sort of missing a meeting, so um, we'll wrap it up. But thanks again. Really appreciate everything. Gentlemen, thank you very much, and uh, let's uh, let's stay safe. And looking forward to one day uh, seeing you in your hometowns. Thank you. Awesome. Take care. All right. Have a good day. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much.